Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, facilitator of all things turn on, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and lift the veil. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a completely royal guest. Her name is Harriet Starling. Coined a pop princess by Wonderland, the host of Starling's World podcast through Soho House, she is the songstress of Swoop, No Leader, Profiteroles, You and More, all of which has been streamed in the seven figures. Starling is so much more, though, than an independent artist. She is currently increasing her reach and impact as a mentor to creatives, showing them how to make money from their talent and sharing with them what it takes to make it in the industry. She is an icon, to use her favourite word, (laughs) and my fellow butter lover, Harriet, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Okay, that that bio or that in, in introduction is incredible, but the butter, oh, yes. We have truly connected over butter. We have. There's been a lot of butter emojis because, what can I say? It's like the essence of life or something. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I learned this great butter habit from my dad who just slathers it. There's more butter than there is bread. <laughs> And that's the right ratio. <laughs> that is the right ratio to have. There should be more butter than bread, definitely. <laughs> now, Harriet, you and I met in August 2020. What a time. What a time to meet new people right? online. And um, we were, we are both in uh, Susie Ashworth's The Freedom Experience. And I remember, I love thinking and telling listeners about the first time I met guests, but it's like, we're on the group call and it's just like, like you are just there and your presence is so radiant and you're like, I'm a pop star. And I'm like going, oh my God, I've never met a pop like you just claimed it and then it was it was interesting like I remember the first time hearing you speak speaking about how you're um, marrying being a pop star with being a coach for creatives as well and it was just like yeah of course like that makes total sense that you want to do both and we will have a discussion about that later but it was it was just so interesting as, you know, a lay person to just kind of be sitting there going, oh, yeah, that person does this type of healing and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm a pop star. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I thought, Lauren? I was like, I don't think Susie Ashworth's, like, um, ideal client or whatever she calls it, the dreamboat client is is the, the, pop, the pop star. But I just um, I just felt really called to... Um, yeah, because we should say that's how we met is, is of course, through Susie. And I felt really called um, to to just up level the mentoring. And um, but yeah, of, of course, at most of my well, it's it's more mentoring now, particularly with the pandemic. I'm not touring, but it mm. is mostly 
has been mostly music my my life or my, my most recent five years so yeah I introduced myself as that before saying I'm a mentor <laughs> I think people are like oh I thought we were a bunch of healers I was like sorry guys <laughs> You are healing though. You are, your healing just looks and sounds different. Your voice is healing. But like I said, we are definitely going to go there and talk more about your work and your vision and your mission. Uh, First up though, I wanted to let you know that every guest that I have on the podcast, I ask them about the bathroom stall moments in life. Now, a bathroom stall moment is one in which we're, trying to hold it all together, like when it feels like everything's falling apart. It's just like, it's almost like a daytime dark night of the soul. It's like, I want to be seen by someone right now. I feel so lonely, but then it's like, no, no one look at me. (laughs) I'm invisible. Everyone leave me alone. Um, I'm wondering if you have ever had a bathroom stall moment and it doesn't have to have happened in a bathroom stall. Um, anywhere you've kind of had the breakdown that ended up being the the exact thing that was actually required to get you to the breakthrough? Yeah, and it's such a beautiful question. And I'll I'll try to go slowly because a part of me wants to say, ah, fucking loads and (laughs) and (laughs) sort of just just roll into it. But actually, um, why I love this this question is, you know, I'm sure you've discussed this before, but when we are at our lowest, so the, the breakdown, it's often the, the breakthrough. And sometimes when we surrender and we beg for an answer or we just think, do you know what? I've done everything I can do and I can't do anything fucking more. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Most definitely. Yes. <laughs> so um, what comes to mind and actually kind of is connected to the mentoring, although of course we can talk about that later, is um, is actually not just one bathroom stall, but I would say a sequence, <laughs> a frigging sequence. Um, and they were twofold. They were in this basement bar that I used to work in. It was a members club, much like, you know, Soho House, except mm. it was a one-off um, uh, members club for celebrities and creatives in Soho in London. And I actually grew up there from the age of, uh, 17, 18, um, sort of mafioso kind of really um, extraordinary and uh, quite dark bar. I saw, you know, so much at such a young age in terms of debauchery, addiction, um, out, just outrageous, exciting, um, sexual and crazy stuff, as well as really sad stuff mm. where, you know, the excitement of being a creative or being famous um, and I was serving them drinks. And at the same time, the dark the dark stuff of you know how you sort of think fame would would fill the void and obviously they're, they're, they're still taking way too much cocaine or feeling that that emptiness that that piece we all have inside of us that we try to fill up using the external and as we know the external doesn't quite cut it you know you buy that gorgeous dress and you don't necessarily feel much yeah. better why the inner work is so powerful but anyway back to the bathroom stall they they did have these oh, I wish I could maybe I'll give a picture for the show notes. It was this basement um, toilet with two cubicles. And I did used to go into the right-hand side cubicle quite often and cry and just be like, when will I ever come off minimum wage? And then I was getting a lot of hand and I was meeting a lot of amazing people. And to be frank with you, it's why I um, got quite, I got quite connected at the age of, I think it was about 25 or six, about five years ago because of this bar, you know? So although it was minimum wage, I did make great connections I'm forever grateful for this for this job that I had it was a very unique place I used to just cry thinking I can't 
I can't smile any longer or I can't, you know, I'd look awfully glamorous, but I was wearing like eight pound dresses, you know, which I don't really what, what that is in Australian dollars, but just, you know, Primark clothes, very cheap clothes, trying to, trying to be the part, but wishing I was on the other side of the bar. Um, and so there was a lot of, of tears around um, my career and this, and this hunger to, to get noticed, but also this hunger to be paid, to be a creative. And I think, you know, you can go to the drama school, or you can go to the music school or the art school, and it's great, right? You, you learn the skills that you need. I certainly did. But you don't ever learn the business. You don't ever learn, like, how do I make this profitable? How do I get noticed? How do I feel like I'm good enough? And I experimented with every fucking thing under the sun from law of attraction um, to journaling to scripting, visualizing. And sometimes I had these mini breakthroughs. And sometimes I had these bathroom store moments where I was like, I don't believe things are going to change for me. Um, and, and that's the crux for me of those bathroom store moments. The other place where I had my sequences would be in this tiny studio flat by King's Cross Station. I lived on my own at quite a young age. Again, I was working in this bar, 18, 19, 20. And I would come home at 2 a.m. and cry from what terrible man I've slept with or what guy is not interested in me. And what I didn't realize until I did a lot of therapy and really, you probably can hear, just 100% committed my life to my mental health and my emotional health. And I can explain why I did at a young age um, in a minute was because um, my, my, my dad, let, no fault of his own, but my dad had to go when I was very young. And what I didn't realize is as a young girl looking for love in all the wrong places was, of course, that patterning psychological, psychologically was looking for love in the wrong men. And mm. of course, they were not ready or they could not give me what I really wanted. And of course, I wasn't really ready for intimacy, though I so deeply desired it. And so my bathroom stall moments are both over love and they're also over about career, because to me, career is not money career to me is is your life's um work it's the extension of the heart yeah yeah it is it is an extension of the heart you put that beautifully and I want to credit your heart for going through all of that turmoil all of that anguish to bring you to the point that you're at now because even though you've it sounds like you've vacillated between oh I believe in this so much I'm going to try all of these I'm going to try all of these things to you know propel myself forward you still had those moments where you said I can't remember the words you used but something along the lines of like this isn't going to work for me as well so you kind of your heart kind of your heart would have always trusted and always been invested but then probably more actually your mind went back and forth between I'm fully invested and I'm doing all these things. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. It's not going to work for me. It's not ever going to happen for me. So thank you to your big, beautiful heart for sticking those kinds of times out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so lovely. I think that dance with hopelessness is something I still have on a micro level, but for anybody that has moments where they believe their life won't change or what they really desire won't ever become theirs is to, I feel like crying, is to remind them that, A, that that's that's not true. We're ever evolving. We're on a planet with seasons. We are seasonal creatures and everything's always changing and shifting. But also to remind them that trust is a muscle. And for me, that dance between hopelessness and hope is 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 beautiful. It's like a tango now. But when I was younger, it was an absolute high and low collapse, restoring myself, collapse, restoring myself. And 
it to, even though you you might be like, mm, is that is that a correct analysis? But in my own journey, what I equate it to is my lack of trust um, was connected to my trauma. So when you're very traumatized, it's very hard to trust things will work out. This word that a lot of people use in our um, our circles, Lauren, you know, just yeah. trust. Yeah. Great, great word. How the fuck do I do that? Yeah. Um, the secret to me and the truth to me is that as a kid, I've, I've suffered a lot with PTSD, depression, anxiety, and, and various other things I can go into is when you are traumatized or certain things happened and you were trapped as a child or certain things didn't work out, or you saw the pain of your parents or your caregiver or something as a kid, the idea of trusting what you can't see, trusting the future is fucking bullshit because you just had one, you know, traumatizing event after another. So for me, what I had to do by excavating my fucking soul is to look at the tiny micro moments where things did work out, but to also realize it was not the external I needed to trust. It was my own inner strength that I needed to trust. Mm. Mm. And the gift of being desperate, like I've been so fucking desperate, not so yeah. much now, I would say, you know, five to 10 years ago, things were not like they are now. Um, the gift of being desperate is that you will do anything for change. And um, she says that, I think the bin men are here, so it's pretty loud. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> He's eavesdropping. Bottles <laughs> and cardboard boxes, very glamorous. Um, the gift of being desperate is you do not, you do not give up. And um, I don't know if you know anyone in, in recovery, but my brother is, is when you have an addiction and you are so desperate or you've overdosed or, you know, you realize that you can't carry on is you will do anything. So whether that's turning up to the meetings or whether that's changing, you know, behavior or whether that's apologizing or whether that's doing therapy is, is, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're, sh- you know, shamed upon in fucking society, which is bullshit, by the way, you're actually realizing, no, that's the gift. And that's back to your breakdown question in the bathroom. Mm. Actually, that breakdown is the breakthrough. Do you feel like there's a difference between desperation and tenacity? I guess I'm mulling over. You've put desperation in a new light to me. I'll be completely honest. You have, you've elevated it more than I ever, more than I ever really feel about it. Like I really feel like desperation can have so much neediness attached to it that it's really not very magnetic, but I feel like you're, you're speaking about it from a way where it's like trying to find the words for it. Cause this feels big yeah. where it's also intertwined with tenacity and persistence and, yeah. um, and willingness, like a willingness. It might not be desire. Like you don't necessarily want to be sober if you've, but you've got a willingness to be sober and, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, um, yeah, I'm wondering, yeah, is there any more that you can share on that concept of desperation when you do want to get to the breakthrough? Yeah, so here's the thing, um, my love, and I love how you describe that desperation is not magnetic. And here's another myth that I want to bust about the darkness. Um, actually, I'll just write that down so that I come back to it. Firstly, when I talk about desperate, because because you and I and everyone here only has language, one word might mean something to somebody else, regardless of the of the dictionary and definitions. And when I talk about it, desperation is not something I put on somebody else. It's my own internal hunger. And that's what desperation has led me to is the willingness to become the searcher. 
And when we look at my inner desperation or those moments where I am literally fucking listless, that does not mean I then look to the man to fix or I look to the somebody like the friend to save me. It's it's that own inner thing where I have to be the, in the driving seat and take the fucking ball by the horns. I think desperation, we know can be a very unattractive word if it's one of your friends who's trying to put their shit on you and mm-hmm. expect it. like fuck that no that's that's not okay you've got to take ownership mm. um but in my own um vocabulary desperation for me is when I am literally become or I did become I became the searcher because I was out of answers I didn't grow up in a way that I I felt safe I didn't have um you know certain money or certain men or certain safety behind me so I felt very much alone in in Soho but also just in my early 20s and there's a couple of ways it can go. You can become a drug addict or a sex addict or drink quite a lot That because that helps. You feel something. Or you can go inside and realize that although it's fucking painful at the beginning, you set yourself free for life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And just but, back to the dark. Sorry, I'm just on one. Yeah, I need go. <laughs> go. <laughs> Permission granted. <laughs> I'm just very obsessed. I've spent 13 years in, in, in psychotherapy because as a child, I saw a lot of nervous breakdowns. So, um, there's a lot of schizophrenia in my, um, in the female line. So the, the grandmother, the mother, the, the, the auntie, the sister, and I thought, okay, next it's me. So at 21, I started looking at mental health because I thought this might be a pattern. This might be something I have to, to suffer. And it's quite scary to the idea of losing your mind. So back to the myth of, of darkness you are not more magnetic the more you smile, the more you put on that we're, you know, that we're happy or that we've got everything sorted. You are more magnetic when you are so authentically raw. And so if somebody says, have I had a good day in the studio? I don't go, yeah, it's, you know, it's all good because I want to be magnetic. I just say it as it is. And I'm not putting it on them. That's, that's not, that's kind of, that's the difference that we're, you know, with the hope, you know, with the desperation that we're saying. Um, but it is about saying actually by owning my shadow, I become magnetic because people know that I'm connected to my soul. And I think that's all that people really, really want beyond happiness and beyond all the shiny good stuff and oh, the money yeah. and is somebody that fucking gets it. And somebody that has been to the worst places, but has also managed to get out of it and say, Hey, you know what? Come with me. So it's okay. You know, there, there is, yeah, there's, there's always, there's always a blue sky underneath all of that, of that storm. We just, the only way out is through. So, you know, I'll hold your hand and we can do this. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, fuck. That's incredible. You, I feel like you're also speaking into a, a form of integration there as well, like that being magnetic is someone who's integrated, who's cognizant of the shadows, who's travelled through the shadows, who gets their light but is authentic with their light. It's not that put on people-pleasing, I'm just going to whack on a happy face kind of so you like me way of moving through the world. It sounds, yeah, you've, you've also, yeah, you've, also taken magnetism um, to a new depth, just like just listening to you. For me, oh, sorry, I'll own that. For me, you've taken magnetism to a new depth as well. Thank you so much. And I take inspiration from people that have made me turn my head 
because as a little girl, I was taught to smile and look pretty and be a good girl. And as an adult, I, I brought that into my life unconsciously, realizing I was leaving behind my own desires. I was leaving behind my own pain, shame, jealousy, fear, all that good stuff that's fucking normal, by the way. Mm. You know, triggered the the secret is how to get untriggered quicker you know this idea that that everything's perfect or everything will always work out is just bullshit what will work out is our ability to become quicker at untriggering ourselves so the guy who inspired me around my own um presentation to the world the way that I to speak and look you know if we were on a stage giving this talk with with a with a video representation is the I'm sure you know the trauma specialist Gabor Maté fucking great about Gabor is he sits on the stage and he doesn't smile and he doesn't even make somebody necessarily feel um that he wants to be there or that he's a shiny you know human being he just literally sits there grounded and you just feel this gravitas and it it made me I thought why do I always think about you know him as a speaker and it made me realize it's because a he's done the work you know he he's a trauma specialist and he's he's done the work but B, because he's not there to make somebody, you know, uh, through being shiny to, to feel safer or to feel better. He's there to be present. And the greatest gift that you can give to anybody is your presence. And, mm. and that's yep. as a singer, but also as a mentor when I'm listening to people so cute as, as creatives as they always think is just them. <laughs> it's just them <laughs> making money. It's just them that doesn't feel good enough. And I'm like, oh, sister. <laughs> Um, and that's where we, you know, we uncover that, that shame, that sense of it must be me. And, um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, that, 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 that kind of Gable Maté has inspired me actually to, to just be present. And that's the greatest magnetism. Yes. Oh, so many, so many quotes, darling. Like I've just got so many quotes coming from you, from what we've discussed already. And we're not even, gosh, I'm not even 20 minutes in, um, incredible and okay we can wrap up now we've just gotten no um what how has you knowing that about yourself knowing about your desperation knowing about your magnetism going there with your trauma going to your shadows doing all of that work and introspection on yourself and then you know, that acknowledgement of presence being the greatest gift that you can give someone, which I am 100% on board with. How are you able to transmute that into your work as a creative? As a musician, and I like the word creative, that's beautiful because weirdly, and don't, no one knows this about me, is I don't identify as being musical. I don't have any musical training. I actually trained as an actress and then decided that don't want to be anybody else anymore and get oh. told what so I quit that one and funny yeah. enough it was at an Abbey audition that I thought nah, I'm, I'm all right <laughs> <laughs> even though I thought that would have changed my life anyway we, we win some we lose some but pop pop career is way more fun um so yeah I hope as a creative and by the way why I don't identify as a musician is I don't I didn't learn an instrument until recently and I don't, I I sing, but it feels more like it's coming from inside rather than, you know, could I tell you if it was a major chord or if it was a G or an E or what, you know, what key this song is in? I don't really know. I don't really have any musical fucking knowledge at all. I can barely play the guitar, but what, what's cool if anyone out there is listening to this and thinking that they need to be 
you know, somehow further than they are is as long as you're coming from your heart, you, yeah, of course I go to singing lessons and of course there needs to be a level of um, commitment and a level of excellence, but actually you don't need to know everything to be good at something. You don't need to be a great clothes designer to know how to cut a pattern. Um, And that's the same with me. I don't need to be um, learning how to read music in order to become um, a successful pop singer. So back to your question, for me to be a creative and to serve people through the music and serve myself, quite frankly, I'm trying to fucking, you know, save my poor five-year-old self and, and all of that through dressing up and dancing. Spice Girls were, Spice Girls were my jam. I'm a 90s <laughs> Tiny things. Um, and, and what I hope to do with all of that stuff and the shit that I've worked through is through my lyrics, though the music might sound quite uplifting or hopeful, is through the lyrics that hopefully people don't feel so alone. And if I really go to the mission of the music, if I dig down to the fucking core of it beyond, you know, how many streams or how much my record label have given me or whatever, all of that shit is actually, do I help people feel less alone? Do people feel connected with the music because they they hear somebody that gets them? Um, and, and that's the vision and, and a quote that I heard through psychotherapy, which I think it's Carl Jung, which I was sort of fucking iconic was, um, when you understand yourself, you understand the world. And for me, what I'm starting to realize is 14 years of therapy, self-development and all the, everything from ayahuasca to Vipassana to you fucking name it. I've tried it, um, is actually that sense of, <sighs> that sense of connection, that sense of connection to self, I realize that my stuff isn't very individual and that most of us suffer with the same stuff. And that's quite reassuring. Mm, It is. It is reassuring. And the more we talk about our stuff in safe spaces, either one-on-one or in groups, or the more that we have that safe space to release, the more we can feel less alone. And um, I don't know about you, but just to speak to loneliness, I really felt it in 2020. It actually fueled a lot of what the work is now was and now to be completely transparent. I haven't felt lonely for a really long time because of all of the changes that I've made in my life. But you know what happened in 2020 when we were also isolated from each other and um you know, everything, everything felt so distant was it was just, you know, when loneliness is under the magnifying glass, it's just, you do feel disconnected. It does, it does go beyond you. It does go into every interaction. It does fuel um, low levels of a low sense of worthiness. It does. Uh, for me, loneliness also tips into some of the desperation stuff, but not the desperation with the tenacity that we we're kind of speaking to before, a little bit more of the neediness side of things. And so any opportunity that you can provide as a creative, as a speaker, as um, you know, as a voice for something, anyone listening, any opportunity that you can give to someone to feel a little bit bit less lonely I know is such uh, it's 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 such an incredible gift you can technically save people's lives you can technically save people's lives by reminding them that they are not alone and they are not the only ones and that's what I feel is so incredibly powerful about music and 
what you do, Harriet, because you reach people in in, in you reach them in places that are sometimes unreachable, even to them, and it activates something. And it reminds people that they're alive and that they actually want to be alive. Um, so thank you for keeping that mission at the core and at the heart of what you do. That um, that will that will create a much bigger impact than anything an Excel spreadsheet, an algorithm, you know, any sort of figures could ever ever um, you know reveal or express. Like it doesn't it's got so much more meaning that you're alleviating loneliness through your gift. So thank you. (laughs) It's what I hope to do. And, and also letting go that I would be everyone's cup of tea. I think that's an important part of the path. You know, some people would totally resonate, you know, with me or this conversation right now, and some people won't. And the key is not for us to be everyone's cup of tea. The, The key is just to speak to those that, we often attract what we are and, you know, some people won't like um, my realism or the fact I'm not very shiny and, and smiley because they feel like that's the safest, that's the, the right way to be. Um, whereas whereas the, 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 the people that, you know, you magnetize are the people that get it. Mm. So if I, if I can do that, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, most, most definitely, most definitely. It's so, uh, it's so vital to be. 101% yourself there's no other way to be I had someone say to me recently you are just so honest about yourself and they're in shock they're like you are so honest about yourself and I just said what other way is there to be like but not but not sorry <laughs> I hope that comes across to everyone the right way it was just like it was someone I knew well and it was just like I really meant it like almost like incredulously like what other way is there to be except for yourself it's that you know my one of my favorite I love Oscar Wilde obsessed um iconic as you would say and he just says you know be yourself everyone is taken and it's a hundred it's it's the truth be yourself everyone is taken and when you are yourself uh and you use your voice and you own that you know you're a creative that that sings and, you know, you own all of that and you own that your gift is in your talent and in your fullest expression and that that is the thing. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be knowing five instruments and reading sheet music and knowing exactly what note you've hit. When you own all of that, that is where freedom can come in, like, and that is just, that's the point. Freedom is the key. Oh, freedom is the key. Mm. And thing is it's not in a fucking gucci handbag and it's not in a big oh, house no 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 no, no. The, perfect or the perfect woman or whatever it's not in the external that is the lie we are fed yep when I've met people throughout my life um who have the things but no substance it is like the emptiest coldest feeling like honestly, it is yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It is just it is not something to strive for. Like is having the stuff, but no substance. Nothing, no blood pumping through your veins. No joy. No, you know, feeling it all. Just wearing that mask of having it all together and having this distorted version of wealth. Um, it just 
yeah, it just, it, it's an, an incredibly empty feeling being in people's presence when that has been the goal and there's been an absence of the inner introspection. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Mm. And you can't fake a vibration. Um, I've started to notice this more and more, particularly with the year of all of us being in our houses alone, it's just zoom. We've got even less information because they're not in our physical space and you cannot energy speaks louder than any kind of Botox or any word yeah. or any, yeah. or any style or whatever people are adorning themselves with. It's just everything. Mm, it is. It really is. And the richest people, um, and I'm well, you know, you and I, we're all for, we're all for money and income and wealth and impact and all of those things. The richest people are really the people that, um, know themselves, love themselves, trust themselves, revere themselves, like hold the the people and the women that hold their own. That to me is a richness because I look at those women and go, you have, to mimic what you said before, you have been there. You have been there with those shadows. You have danced with those shadows. You've done the tango with those shadows. You've done the awkward dance with those shadows. You have you have been there and now you are so solid in yourself. You are unshakable. And that to me is a really, really rich and wealthy person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It takes time and I don't want to sell that, you know, I'm a finished product or that somebody is a finished product. There's never the top of the mountain, but Mm. curiosity will always give us the next evolution in ourselves that we need. So for me, that's the main value. I mean, I have other values in different aspects of my life, but for my own personal growth is, is curiosity, why I do the things I do, why I behave, think, feel the way I do. And then of course, the more I can understand that, the more I can understand the people around me. And then beyond that, the communities and cultures and, and the world around me. Yeah. 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 Curiosity will save us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, really, to use your word curiosity, I'm personally really curious now that I've known you for almost a year. um, Your interest in creativity extends well beyond music, which we've sort of established so far. But I was just wondering, I've been privy to you navigating all of the incredible things that you are and integrating them and having them feel seamless. And now from the outside, they look, it's like, yeah, of course, like, of course those things go together. But for you, it's been a different process because it's your process. Can you share with us more about the process of giving yourself permission to be a multi-creative over the last year in particular? Yeah, it's a really, it's actually only a very recent thing I've managed to work through, if I'm totally honest, because, well, there's a couple of stories here that I believed to be true. Um, So let's go, let's go into the music mentoring story. So I always mentored because I'd always wanted to be somebody I never had, which was a guide. When I started, I didn't know anybody. I was like, you know, throwing things at the wall, hoping something would stick. I didn't have connections. I didn't have um, a leg up in any way, except perhaps that bar because I managed to, you know, network. So I get, mm-hmm. I guess that, and I actually got discovered there by Sia's first band, and then and then got a record deal. But I would say it was very much, um, you know, sort of, sort of in it, 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 yeah, in it alone. But to go 
um, into these uh, sort of this music mentoring um, thing. So I, I started that it was behind closed doors. Someone basically tweeted me. This is how the whole thing started and said, I read in a magazine that you had stage fright and you suffered with anxiety. My name's Charlotte and I want to release music, but I can't sing without shaking anyway I said just come to my studio and I helped her out and six months later she released music and I was like oh that you know it's just something I wanted to do like that's quite cool and then I ended up doing a lot of emotional support for performers because I just enjoyed it got like lots of one-to-one demand and I did that in between recording records this is like 2016 and then it became um it's really become a thing. And as you know, working with Susie Ashworth and obviously being in the same container with you, you can see how it's gone from kind of behind closed doors. Like you only know Starling does that if you know Starling does that mm. to only um, mentoring musicians. Because after Charlotte, I ended up mentoring people how to self-release. So if you don't have a record label, how are you going to get seven figures? And became quite an expert in that because I've actually remained independent for most of my career and then from there last year with the pandemic decided to coach all creative so I have a group and it has a drag queen a ballerina a speaker an actor a songwriter like a producer a rapper um a rock star all of it you name it so that's what the blossom has been but really the blossom beyond obviously how the company and the, the whole direction has changed is which is awesome is me owning it and it might be helpful for someone to hear who struggles with having, as you say, multi-passionate. And for me, my story was I can't be successful as, at two things. Yes. Um, yes. I, that was your story. Yes. Right. Yeah. Do you know more than anyone? Yeah. And I'm thinking about this. And the other thing was I can't be successful as two things. The other thing is you're judged as a singer in the music industry. If you do anything other than music, it's like, are you doing it for money? Are you doing it because your music isn't actually going that well? Like all these judgments. And some of them, by the way, are true. And my mind then internalized that it must then be true for me. And I'll be, you know, start, you know, cast out of the music industry or I'll not be very cool if I'm looking to help. And whilst they're all stories in my, on a cellular level, in my mind and my body, wanting to be sure that, of course, my music's taken seriously, I hid um, elements of the mentoring, which is really ironic because I was so much and still am about like, be who you are, (laughs) (laughs) own everything. And then inside I was like, oh, I'm struggling. (laughs) That's kind of funny. When you like coach something, you're like, I'm not quite there with that one. (laughs) I'd love to just keep it real, by the way. Um, mm. So anyway, finally worked through um, the platform, has gone public. And I don't, I don't mean PLC. I just mean like, as in I'm very open about the talks. I have hundreds, if not thousands now, interested in, in my group that I run, Inevitable Success, but also just coming to the talk. So a talk I'm giving tonight has 370 um, signups. And it's not about the number in a bragging way. It's about the number in terms of impact, like yeah. how many are going to be able to feel better by eight o'clock tonight and that well that's the intention anyway so that's um been really difficult for me this concept that right so it's not just the two careers but there was another story and that was um as an artist as in a pop star 
you can't be seen to be available. Like that was another story. So basically like, you know, Billie Eilish might not do many interviews or Madonna, you might really not know how she speaks because she does, or Beyonce doesn't do very much, you know, talking to camera. And there's something quite girl next door about, you know, doing that mentoring thing of saying like, hi, this is what I want to help you with. And so for me, beyond owning that and that that story is bullshit and I can have success and a career in my own way is actually then, okay, if I am going to go public and I do want to serve both creatives and also have a career as a pop star, then actually it's not, you know, if I'm doing it, it's how. So how am I going to do that? How am I going to um, serve these people? And how at the same time am I also going to um, create my persona? as Starling and ideally not have a persona, ideally be, be who I am across both, both, um, areas of my life. And finally, fuck, after five years, I feel it's come together. Yeah. Yes. What do you think really helped it come together? Poor people like yourself, people like Susie, people asking me like, you know, what really, you know, I saw the coolest thing, Lauren on, it was actually on Instagram yesterday. It was just a meme. And it said, the greatest flex is how many people you've helped. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking sick. Because yeah. rather than how much money or in my case, how many followers or how many number one hits have you got? It's like, actually, how many people have you helped? And at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed or wrinkly and sh- sh- hopefully we won't be shriveled up, but you know what I mean? I'm imagining myself <laughs> very wrinkly 90 year old do, or maybe a hundred year old. Do I want to be ego led about like how many people liked my photograph and, you know, bought the outfit that I was seen wearing? Or do I want people to say, you made me believe it was possible. Mm. And that's the fucking crux of the matter is important conversations and making people, not making them, but inviting them to realize that a lot of what they believe is a myth. And this whole concept of being a poor artist is an old paradigm. And this concept that they're not good enough and this concept they can't have everything that they want or they can't succeed in their creative passion, it's all bullshit. Mm. And I just call it out. And I don't just call it out. I'll also give them a solution to how to turn it around. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling activated. I'm feeling fire. Like I'm feeling, I'm I'm feeling lots of things listening to you. But I also, when you were speaking about how many people you've helped, I'm wondering like, what if you looked at every time one of your songs was streamed, that that's you helping someone, even though the numbers are interpreted in a different way traditionally. What if every yeah. single song was that seven, you know, that's one million times I've helped some, someone, even if it's someone, especially, sorry, if it's one person streaming it multiple times because right. it makes them, it helps them. Like yeah. that. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned this, Lauren. Oh my God, you're so connected. Because yesterday I literally was journaling and I had this realization again about helping. And I had this realization that the helping isn't just, am I guiding someone through their career or, or their beliefs or their, you know, creative emotional health. Like you said, it can be through a song or through the way I dance or mm. through living fucking free and, and, and having done the work I've done to just feel comfortable in my own skin that you know, when you're really yourself or you see a woman who walks in a room who's really herself, like you're like, I want to be more like that. Um, yeah. that. That's kind of actually also changing somebody's life without, you know, setting up their strategy or, you know, teaching them how to 
succeed with money in the arts like it it, it can be on so many levels just by being you that you give permission I can't speak permission to somebody to be themselves just by being you yeah yep yep that's what I love about the time that we're living in that it is you know there are those other forms of you know validation that you know that you've helped someone but that Something that I've been saying to myself recently, and it's particularly in regards to the podcast, is I'm responsible for what I say. Yes, I'm responsible for how I show up. Once those words leave my mouth, as long as they are congruent, as long as they are in alignment, as long as I've spoken with integrity, I'm no longer responsible for how those words go out. And it's really been helping me to really see that impact those words are going to impact people in different ways, in different times. And sometimes people say, I love it when you said this or this one time and I have no recollection. But whatever I've said, whether it was those exact words or not, they've stayed with that person and they've interpreted it in your own way, in their own way, I should say, which kind of goes back to what you were saying about how we each, you know, the one thing that we all have is language but we interpret it differently. Um, yeah. I'm having a bit of fun here with like word and energy and <laughs> going on a bit of a tangent, but I I really feel like our help it we help people and we're not always gonna know. And that's also okay as well. We're not also we're not ever gonna know all of the ways in which someone has been moved or served or helped or saved even um from from this yeah. It's so fucking invisible that the other day, I mean, this is so, this is so funny. When I say the other day, by the way, I mean about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> what is time? That's a whole nother podcast episode we could do. What is time? <laughs> I mean about a decade ago. <laughs> the other day, honey. No, you mean in 2005. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the other day, by that, I mean 2019, when we could all leave our houses, I went to my um, drummer's house and I said, God, that's so funny that your your clothes, his girlfriend's clothes were um, hung like Marie Kondo. So it was like a tick. So the longest clothes were on the left and the shortest clothes were on the right. So it kind of, you know, looked from the bottom up like the clothes were, um, you know, diagonally looked the longest and the shortest and it looked very neat. And I said, oh, that's so funny. You know, it's how I do it. And he said, yeah, I know. And I said, Okay, he said, I screenshot a story of you walking past your wardrobe and I told her she must do it because it really looked efficient. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> fucking no. Who's copying the way you style your, your, the shape of your wardrobe, the way you hang your clothes, the way you do your lipstick, the way you do your podcast? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, making an impact by showing up, you know, by being visible. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I know, um, yes, it's... There are so many small things and people have said, I saw this colour, it reminds like people I've never met. I saw this colour and now I always think of you and I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's just, it's just, inc- it's incredible, isn't it? Just how, yeah, how influential um, you can be without even knowing it. Like you're speaking words into stories about something else and people are picking up other things that are in the environment and then going on to associate them with you and it's just it's just yeah it's a whirlwind (laughs) but it actually brings me to my next question like it's 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 like really seamless we live in a time where we have almost unlimited access to celebrities in 
you know, not all celebrities, but some celebrities. Yet secrets will always abound, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. about what it's really like to be on the inside of an industry or what it's like to be on the inside of celebrity culture. What Mm -hmm. do you feel that most people still don't quite get um, about the creative industry, the entertainment industry, music industry, and being recognised in celebrity culture? What, like, is there, like, secret that lots of people just don't in- don't get? We're more insecure than anybody else. And we all think we're not good enough and we all think we're fakers and that we just got lucky. And what's so interesting is if you speak to a non-celebrity or somebody that doesn't hang around in recording studios every day or take meetings and fancy members clubs, is that the sense that somehow you know, because we've got the Gucci handbag or because we've got, you know, the, lots of followers that somehow we are, um, you know, we're, we're titanium, we're, you know, uh, we're indestruct- indestructible, you know, mm. because we've got what they they think they want. And of course, unless you've done a lot of work on yourself or are emotionally intelligent, that projection, particularly with Instagram around, is just ever magnified that somehow the celebrity is safe from the worries of, you know, paying the bills or having a problem with their partner or safe from the the nitty gritty of picking up dog poo or your bin bag split. And now you've got your kids food all over the kitchen and the gross shit that we all have. You know what I mean? Mm. Just real. And I think obviously it's not, it's not shown. So we then believe what we're shown, which is they're all fine. They're all shiny and they've all got it figured out. And actually, if like we talk about me going to like the Grammys or the Brit Awards, just like the music awards here. Um, I've, you know, not to be mean to anyone, but I've never met such a bunch of, bunch of insecure people and people that don't feel like they're good enough. And um, the, the coolest thing, having done so much therapy when I'm in this space, is though I recognize that and I do have elements and feel parts of me that feel like a charlatan, or a faker, um, I also know that um, it's a human condition. So I don't live my life trying to make up for the fact that I feel um, inadequate. I actually just understand that's a human part of me and that that's not the truth. It's just a part of me equally. Another part is, is my strength and my, my confidence and my groundedness. So the, the truth is about it for anybody on the outside, what a horrible expression, but you know what I mean, is that they think celebrities or, or people with big followings or big careers are, are somehow more secure and somehow safer or somehow um, don't feel what we all feel. And the truth is they feel it more so because they're under, mm. under this pressure. Yeah. Thank you. I still fall for that. I still slip in my awareness of that sometimes as an outsider looking in. So oh, thank sure. you. For, yeah. Thank you for bringing that discussion to the, like that truth to the table. Cause it's so, I still sometimes think that they are fortified, that they are galvanized because they've got teams, because they've got, um, you know, because they've got wealth, because they've got whatever it is that I think that they have, and they might not even have those things because I don't actually know. So thank you for bringing that, um, that truth forward about the the questioning that we all have about ourselves and whether we belong and whether we're you know how did this happen is it like I was hearing threads of imposter syndrome yeah totally exactly that's what I see so much of Mm. Uh, and of course you feel that way because Instagram fortifies that myth even more um because you see just what people 
want to show you. And in a way that kind of drives me mad because then it makes people feel like they're down there, you know, struggling with, uh, you know, kids feces and trying to pay the gas bill. Um, and actually the truth is so many like celebrities or famous people, whatever it is, they've got the same problems, but if not even more, because they're mm-hmm. juggling so many moving parts and there's such high level of pressure and stress to maintain that status or maintain that success. Or if you've got one number one, you then need another number one, or you get dropped by your label that actually it's, um, it's a new realm of hell, uh, you know, a new level, new devil. Um, and so it depends how complex you want your life to be or how simple, but I think the idea of chasing any of that stuff, we have to be very careful what we wish for because it becomes awfully complex when you, when you start having that amount of success and you have to have a certain mental resilience to handle it. And if you don't, as you know, like, you know, Miley Cyrus or whoever the rest has, bless them, huge breakdowns is because it isn't actually healthy or sustainable um, reality. Mm, Yeah. I would like to ask you about magic now. Like you've shared with us your tenacity, how you, your focus and the immense, what I hear as the immense amount of effort that you've put into your career and where you are now. I would love to know, can you share with us anything magical that's kind of happened to you when you've followed that voice that says to sing, when you've followed that voice that says to mentor and support and help and serve? Like what do you have any like crazy, wow, how the hell did that happen kind of stories or a story that you could share with us now? Oh my God. Yes. And do you mean magic as in like a magical event? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Tell this one because I often think that I actually tell this more in mentoring than I do in music, that I often think that people feel they need to be perfect, whatever that even means, um, before they begin their adventure or their, you know, the start of their new career or their new venture. And what was so unbelievably amazing is within six months of singing, and and by the way, that the first time I sung, I got signed, I got a record label, and I was shaking and my cheeks were burning red and my chest was bright red and my voice did warble, um, just like I knew it would. That's why I put it off for years because I just thought I'd be really shit. And the truth was I wasn't perfect, but I was authentic. And I think it's important for people to realize that it isn't about being ready. Um, it's just about turning up in your kind of, in your rawness and committing and to that because you're just going to fucking do it. And I got a record deal with um, the Mumford & Sons label, Communion, and uh, I ended up, I don't know if you know Massive Attack. Yes. Um, oh, yes, of course. Uh, yes, yes, yes. As a, as a child, I did a lot of dance classes and we used to dance to Massive Attack, even though it was a band way before my kind of age group. But anyway, within just months of getting this, um, I sung uh, in this Soho and then getting this this record label, I got sent to their um, their their hangar, which is basically like in Bristol, so in the west of England. And I got driven there and asked to vocally sing on top of their creations, meet them, have lunch with them, see their designs in this like creative hangar, which was basically like a fuck off massive studio in an industrial estate. Oh and then sing 
but they wanted me to write the lyric as I was singing, even though I'd never heard the music. So I was literally like, Jesus, if you're out there. <laughs> but I was like, Jesus, angels, I don't know. But if you're there, I, I, I need to nail this. I cannot be shit. And you know that I'm brand new and you know that I'm a charlatan because I'm really fucking inexperienced. I'm not even a trained musician. Please deliver. Anyway, it went really, really well. And it was like kind of meet, like meet your idols. So I would say there's been a lot of magical things. I've ended up working with Adele's writer, Ed Sheeran's writer, being put on the circuit of songwriters in Nashville, New York, LA, um, yeah, London, you name it, and wrote sort of over 350 songs in, in a year. I'd say with mentoring, what was amazing is when I got asked by this girl, Charlotte, on Twitter, I just turned up, how, how she even knew about it, was I turned up, did an interview for a magazine, just really honestly speaking about my issues. And I just thought, you know, how, how cool is that? And then from there, she kept telling people about me. So there's a lot of magic in, in following the breadcrumbs, like, oh, that's kind of working out for me. Oh, that kind of feels good. And I think often a good career is, is built on that energy of following the breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, and where that, you know, where that goes rather than like, this is my business plan. (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. I mean, following the business plan could be that might not have gotten, that might not have led you to any of those things that you just, any of those magical events that you just spoke into or those magical experiences or collaborations. So, yeah. And I always worry that I don't have a CV and I never want a job where I need a CV. I won't ever have a CV. And it's that thing of just basically going like, you know, just, just because I'm a bit mental, I just think, no, I've, I've made that decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be my own company, even if that, if, even if times do get hard. Um, and that's how there's no, you know, when you just decide parameters for your life, you're just like, no, yep. that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, no. I know that one. And I've decided I'm unemployable. I would be the worst employee for anyone now. It's like, no, once you taste yeah. that, that uh, independence, that autonomy that comes from deciding what you're going to do and how it's going to be done. I just, <laughs> I think if you can avoid going back into any form of system or <laughs> or being employed by someone, then you do because it's just um, once you get the taste, <laughs> it's like, once you get the taste, it's like, oh. Um, Thank you for sharing the magical story. I'm like, I'm, I'm still like hanging off of the Massive Attack one as a big Massive Attack um, fan. So that is incredible. <laughs> um, I was wondering, just before um, I do give you some quick shoot questions, I was wondering, because this is all about secrets, you teach uh, and are a way show for creatives so, to make you know money and impact from their talent and I was wondering could you share with us one of the secrets that you share with people on your master classes and your workshops what's one of the secrets about making um making money the energy and the energy of money when you are a creative because you've just debunked the old story of um, you know, artists, the poor artist paradigm, the poor artist archetype. Is there anything else that you can reveal to us today? Absolutely. The first one that comes to mind, and it's quite easy for, for listeners to remember, is that your net worth 
is often deeply connected to your self-worth. And when you look at the self-worth and you look at that, you know, innate reflection, how you feel about your worth, your value, and work within that and connect to that, you'll notice your net worth unbelievably rise. Mm. Unbelievably. Mm. And where it's complex, and I may or may not go into it because I I do realise the time, but where it gets complex and very personal is a creative pours their fucking heart into their work. So whether it's a a painting or it's their music or whatever and then putting a price on that firstly you're not taught how to do pricing you're not you're not you're not taught you know what to charge um secondly you then get people's opinion about that's too expensive oh, or I wouldn't. yes oh that word expensive I abhor it oh I abhor it and then you've got the other thing of then okay my exile parts are triggered which is I'm not worth it yes and then or you pause or you hide for another week and then you waste another week. So what you've got is when you can work with the emotional elements that come with receiving money, receiving value exchange for your talent, actually then you start to be better at receiving, you flex that receiving muscle and you start to realize that of course I should be paid for this and I should be paid deeply for this. Um, And that's what I mean about worth connecting to worth, self-worth and net worth. Very, 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 very connected. Yes. And people forget that there's a lot of joy in paying people for things that bring them joy, that it can actually, the exchange of money can actually feel really, really, really fucking good for the person on the other end, that not that money is not always exchanged begrudgingly. It's like some people, and I'm very blessed to have friends like this, that are just like, I want to invest in that. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to be generous in this way. Like, yeah, I want that. I'll grab it now. Like not. Um, and yeah. yeah, and that that in in particular with art forms, and I just yeah yeah I love that you share that with people because that one needs to be debunked so massively, and um, for people to recognise the power in stepping yeah. into their self worth. Oh, absolutely. But it's so easy for us to say like, oh, people need more self-worth, whatever. But then people go, well, fucking how? And that's where I come into it. That's I'm like, okay, this is the step by blow by blow process that's actually going to deepen that. And therefore you're going to see as a reflection of that financial blossoming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Fuck, you do incredible work. Oh, fuck. I just... Mind is blown in terms of every little avenue, every little thread that has emanated from you starling into all these people that you know all these people that you don't know strangers you know close friends clients I just can't imagine how much incredible energy and activation has already come from you up until this point in your life and now feels like you're just getting warmed up like you've talked about flexing muscles in this podcast episode I feel like God, you've got so many more muscles to flex, and that's really exciting. Like you said, it's not done. So I'm just yeah, getting excited <laughs> for you and for everyone else that comes into your orb. I'm getting really excited about you. I just—it's just such an honor to know you, and thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I love this podcast series. So thank you for having me as your guest. Oh, you are so welcome. I've got no doubt that listeners will love this episode will love this episode and uh take I know and take copious notes as well (laughs) so 
as well as to what you say and the level of insight you have into yourself and human nature. It's really, really fucking profound and inspiring. And I feel honoured to tap into this new layer with you because we've never um, been able to create the space to have a conversation to this to this extent. So I'm so glad it's recorded so that it, it's, you know, it's, it's solidified, it's cemented in history. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it's on tape. Yeah, totally. Just lastly, Harriet, where can we find you? Yeah, so Starlings World is my Instagram and uh, website, starlingsworld.com, and my Spotify is just Starling, which is my stage name. Um, S-T-A-R-L-I-N-G. And I don't just mean Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, all of the places my music um, is on all of the platforms. With regards to the uh, mentoring, the website is jointheplatform.com. And jointheplatform.com has everything, whether it's like joining my free group or whether it's um, coming to a talk or whether it's somebody that actually wants to be mentored um, by me, it's all on the website. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for that. We'll definitely have that in the show notes. Thank you so much. I have no doubts that this episode has contributed to your understanding of your secret self. If it's activated you in any way, then please take the next saucy step and share it. Share it with the world, just like Starling is sharing her gifts with the world. But be sure to tag us both on Instagram so that together, we can reshare it and create an even bigger impact of women feeling seen, heard, and understood.